This is the Omnichannel Marketer, the show where we get real about what it takes to build a brand, create a seamless omnichannel experience, and drive customer LTV across D2C, Amazon, and retail. I'm Kate Stevens, the CEO of Bridge. Join me for unfiltered conversations from the trenches of e-commerce. We'll unpack strategy and leave you with tactical advice you can use today to drive your business forward. Let's rock and roll. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Omnichannel Marketer. This is your host, Kate Stevens. Today, we have Anouk Gottlieb, CEO of Belgian Boys. Hi, Anouk. Hi, Kate. How are you? Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I'm so happy to have you. Um, So anyway, why don't we kick things off? Would love to know a little bit more about your personal background and then, you know, a little bit more about Belgian Boys. Definitely. Um, As you can hear, I have an accent. I'm not from uh, the US. I was born in Belgium, in Antwerp, uh, one of the major cities in Antwerp, though it's quite small compared to US cities. Um, And yeah, I grew up in Antwerp. I saw entrepreneurship at home. My parents um, were entrepreneurs in the garment um, industry. I actually studied fashion design Mm. in college. So I have a creative background. And um, then I came for an internship in New York. And on that plane, I met a guy because that's always how a story starts, right? Um, I met a guy and um, that was Greg, who is um, the founder of Belgian Boys and my husband. And um, that's really how it started. <laughs> and so when, yeah, when did, when did you start the brand? And then did you, did you, so when you met your husband, had he already started the brand? Like when did you come into Belgian Boys? Yeah, he hadn't started the brand yet. Um, we were dating. Um, really, his idea was there. I want to say he went to college to the U- uh, in the US. He's also from Belgium. And when he was in his college dorm, the American friends, every time he was just schlepping back waffles and cookies for him to enjoy, were like, oh my God, where can I buy this? This is like the most amazing thing I ever tried. And they couldn't find it there. And he's like, well, maybe this is something I should like investigate and pursue after college. And that's really when he was there with the idea. We were dating. I was working on Fashion Avenue um, and 42nd Street in New York. And really at night, helping Greg to just conceptualize and visualize this idea of Belgian boys. Um, With my background, I was always saying, Okay, I love this idea, but we got to make clothes for the product. It's got to look good because the fact that it tastes good won't won't get it sold. People mm-hmm. won't know the story with just the taste, right? You got to have them pick it up off a shelf. Mm-hmm. And that's the origin story of how we got started. That was now eight years ago. Um, and, you know... I'd love to talk a little bit more about your kind of design and creative background and how you bring that, you know, visual presence to Belgian boys, because you and I met in person for the first time at Expo West. And, you know, I can say that the visual display of your booths, of all of your team members, it was beautiful. It was, you know, the pinks and that visual display I know also comes through in your product as you think about, you know, getting picked up off shelf. So can you talk about, you know, your background and how you weave that into 
your product um, and thinking about the, you know, ca- that eye-catching nature of the of the product? Definitely. I think we look at it holistically, right? We are create we are creating an experience. We are building a brand. And, you know, you bring up the example of Expo West. I, I remember, you know, you used to go to Expo West and it's like, you see these boots that's from a legacy brand, amazing brands also, but every year it's the same thing. And life evolves, brand evolves. You've got to keep it relevant, just like you keep it relevant for your customers with promotions, campaigns, etc. Why were people in the industry not doing it at Expo mm-hmm. West, right? Buyers coming back and coming back. It's got to look fresh. Belgian boys of 2022 is not, or 2023, is not Belgian boys of 2019. And you need to keep showing as you scale, as you grow. We wanted people to come to our booth to experience our mission. Our mission, Mm. our reason why we exist is to spark moments of happiness. That's our why. That's why I wake up every morning and come to work. Because I want to spark, I want people to have smiles when they have Belgian boys. And that's really how it comes to life, the visual. It's not only our mission statement, you have to show it. And I want to say that it was just vibes and happy. And I think you can't fake it either, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, talk to me about the state of Belgian boys, you know, whether that's where do you sell? Like, what does that look like? What's the scale? And then I'd love to talk about, you know, dive a little bit deeper into, you know, how you're, you know, bringing that why holistically across all of your channels. The title of this podcast is the Omnichannel Marketer. And the reason that I, you know, wanted to have you on is that, you know, I think you've done an incredible job of thinking about, your retail presence, your website, your um, your social channels, and then actually, you know, also leveraging different, you know, trending topics on on social to you know bring that to the retail environment. So I'd love to really dive into that, you know, the the pancake cereal craze and you know that drop. Um, but yeah, I would love to kind of you know hear from your perspective how you think about that. Yes, it's still like a pinch me moment. I mean, Belgium Boys is today in 7,000 retail stores, um, including Walmart, Target, Costco, Kroger since um, a month ago. And I think what we're doing in those stores is pretty exceptional. I'll, I'll, I'll walk a bit back, but when we started, we launched with crepes, pancakes, waffles, and showed that to buyers. Uh, and the reaction was, oh, I love the product. This is frozen breakfast. And I looked at Craig and I was like, what the hell is frozen breakfast? I had never heard of frozen breakfast coming from Europe. Mm-hmm. In Europe, in Belgium, where I grew up, those products are merchandise refrigerated. And if you think about it, that makes sense. Where do you go in the stores to buy breakfast items? You buy eggs, you buy milk, you buy mm-hmm. yogurt, you buy orange juice, that's all refrigerated. So why is there another section in the store where you buy things to stock up on that you eat every single day? Mm-hmm. First is also the meal of the day that is every day the same. I, I don't say every single day, but you eat a variation of the same thing. It's not like a 
lunch or dinner where you will do Monday tacos, Tuesday uh, pizza, Wednesday steak. No one eats Monday acai bowl, Tuesday uh, uh, granola, mm -hmm. Wednesday waffles. That doesn't really happen. Be breakfast is a habit-driven um, meal. And that's because that first hour of the day, especially for parents, which is our main audience, There are so many things you have to think about. You get dressed, you get the kids dressed, there's lunch boxes, you're missing homework, you're missing a backpack, a shoe, I don't know, a million things, right? <laughs> what we have, what we eat is not something we need to think about. It needs to be delicious, it needs to be quick and easy, and it needs to be okay with your ingredient standard, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Especially for moms, for parents. If you think about it, you don't control the day of your children. The one thing you control is that morning in the hour. And then you send them off to the school bus and they might get bullied. They might um, have the most amazing day, but that day might also suck. Mm -hmm. You want to have them live with a smile, right? And breakfast is part of that. Our generation in America, and I'm not from here, but that's what I hear from everyone, grew up eating Eggo waffles and Pop-Tarts. Literally, Anouk, when you're talking about this, I'm like, oh, frozen. Yes, I grew up eating frozen waffles. That's what most people in the U.S. Eat, grew up eating. Mm -hmm. And we're updating that. We're upgrading that. Our generation of parents don't want to give their kids Eggo waffles and Pop-Tarts. They want to give their kids Belgian boys. And we're the perfect solution for that. And so from that frozen breakfast moment, we were like, gotta go refrigerated. But buyers turned us down. They were like, no, this is a category. This is, this is the US. Hmm. We went into that category and actually performed really well. But in our gut, we knew it was wrong. And so we went uh, to Costco. We got a great rotation that was in 2018, uh, about three years into the business and amazing data. We went back to those retailers, but still they were like, well, you're performing great in Frozen. Why would I move you? Mm. And we got a shot at Walmart in 60 stores. We were performing, I think, 300% above expectations. And that's when we knew we had something special. We took that data at Walmart, 65 stores in four years. We turned that, we grew that into uh, close to a thousand stores at Walmart. We then launched at Target. This last year, we launched at Walmart. We, uh, we launched at uh, Whole Foods. We launched at Meyer, Kroger. And what we're seeing now is not only Belgian boys in the refrigerator, we're seeing retailers investing in this breakfast destination. So there's mm. other brands next to us. There's egg bites, there's um, Kraken eggs, there's potatoes, there's wraps. And really creating that new set in the dairy aisle that Belgium Boys is anchoring. And it's been a very, very exciting time for us. Um, and yeah, this, it's, it's still, I want to say, quite surreal. Mm -hmm. It's like three years ago. This industry was saying, who is this crazy company trying to do refrigerated for a product that's been merchandised forever in Frozen to last week having the CMA, which is the Category Management Association, 
publish a case study with Nilsan, which is a data provider in our industry, on how Belgium Boys is pioneering a new refrigerated breakfast category across the US. And that's when I'm like, wow, we've we've achieved a lot and we have not done anything yet. Um, mm. I forgot the whole question you asked, because I think I went on with this refrigerated breakfast. Um, but well, it's, it's important. It's important to understand, like, you're creating this new category because it's the right place for your customer to be shopping your product. Yeah, exactly. And then, so, you know, understanding retail is is clearly your, you know, number one distribution. Am I correct that you do not sell um, direct to consumer? You're correct. I mean, we used to. Um, it was never a big portion of our business, but um, I want to say that in COVID, we we were like FOMO, right? Like, what's going on here? First of all, we wanted to reach our customer. We our business model had changed overnight. We were heavy on food service, airlines, etc. Hmm. Pandemic, and and we're like, wow, we need a DCC. Uh, we need agency. We need a warehouse. We need a and we jumped in. And if I look two years, three years later, it wasn't right for our product or this industry was moving along. I think we've found a lot of success actually with digital penetration of retailers, of other websites. I think for a consumer, especially with perishable goods like us, first of all, it's very hard to be profitable. Yeah. Um, and second of all, I do ask my question, myself the question, and that's something we talked a lot on our team before we made the decision in uh, Q1 of this year to shut down our DTC. Do consumers really have the time to shop on brands' websites for food when mm -hmm. it's not gifts? Right when you are literally doing your weekly grocery shopping, which is what Belgium Boys is, we are an mm -hmm. item that you are buying every week, every two weeks, every three weeks. Mm -hmm. That's the frequency. I personally do not have to go and buy my milk on one website, my cookies on another website, my waffles, my produce. You're not going on 20 different websites to do your weekly groceries. So I think consolidators, where you have one platform, go, you buy your weekly groceries, that works for us. But actually having our own, where people need to buy bundles of a hundred something dollars for it to make sense. But then if you, you think about the consumer experience, yes, they have it at delivered at the door, which is nice. But the frustration of it left on the front porch when it's all melted. And then our product's quite large. You get 10 boxes of crepes mm. or pancakes. Where the hell do you put them? <laughs> there is no room in your fridge. So we really felt like it wasn't doing a justice to our brand and our experience and decided to make that um, decision. So how do you think, are those aggregators, is that like, you know, online at Target, Amazon Marketplace? Is that you know, Walmart's Marketplace? Correct. Correct. Um, it's supporting our retail partners. It's reaching a different audience. And we are a brand that does great on digital penetration. And that's something that all the retailers you just mentioned are looking to grow. So tell me what you mean when you say you do well in digital penetration. We get added to a basket that is larger than their average basket. Hmm. Okay. And why do you think that is? 
Like, what about Belgian boys? Like, why do you do well there? Well, I mean, I think there was a bunch of of, of reason, but with the highlight, you know, if you look at our consumers' basket, and that was something that I've learned over the years. I always thought when we launched this brand that Belgian boys consumer was someone that traveled to Amsterdam and wanted to be reminded of their experience and authentic and blah, blah, blah. A consumer doesn't know where Belgium is. They, they, that's not the main reason why they buy Belgium boys. They buy Belgium boys because it's convenient, it's delicious, it has good ingredients, and it's better than other options on the market. And it's a millennial fun for people. Mm-hmm. Now, when we looked at their basket, what we find is eggs. We find Nutella, strawberry, pretzel crisps, Tropicana um, orange juice, chicken, like chicken breast, and um, Lucky Charms. And I'm like, wait, what? So what that shows is that for an emerging brand, we are very mainstream. Mm. There's no, I want to say, kale chips and niche items in our basket. We are your everyday mm. basket. And Belgian Boys brings growth to that everyday basket. Yep, that makes we, complete sense. And we bring a different customer into those stores. You asked about pancake cereal. I think that's where we yes. like to partner with us um, and how we take those other channels that you talked about or where we take influence to launch an R&D. In the pandemic, people had extra time and baked sourdoughs and made tiny, tiny, tiny pancakes with a ladle because they had leftover batters. That trend went viral, 1.7 billion views. People made tiny, tiny pancakes and ate them in a bowl, just like cereal. And that was a very cool trend that was very time-consuming. And so we looked at this and we're like, we can totally commercialize it. It also goes with our mission, right? Quick, easy, delicious. And so we did that and we partnered up with Target to bring that to the market um, in Q1 of this year. We brought Gen Z, we brought that younger audience to the stores. That's something that was exciting on their end as well. And um, I'm very proud that campaign that we ran uh, with our team because it was a very, very exciting brand moment. Uh, yeah. I mean, just from the outside, it was like, it was genius. Like leveraging your, leveraging a, you know, TikTok viral trend, bringing that, it was so on brand and then having an, you know, exclusive drop at at Target, one of your partners. You know, I, I think that it was just like a brilliant marketing moment. Like, do you plan to employ that strategy again in the future? And, you know, how do you think about, you know, the continued growth of your brand there? Definitely, but not exactly the same, right? I think you always need to look for other things, right? And if you want to inspire, if you want to grow, if you want to delight your consumer, you need to take inspiration in places where it wasn't taken, right? Bringing a trend. Usually on TikTok, there were trends like feta cheese in this recipe and feta cheese like was out of stock across the US, right? Mm -hmm. It was a trend which drove consumption. We took a trend 
and created a product. We did the opposite. And mm. this is what we challenge our team. This is what we talk a lot at Belgium Voice. How can we disrupt? How can we, and, and disrupt is overused. Um, how can we connect with our consumer and elevate our brand? Um, so you'll see more coming for sure. Can't wait. One of the things that, you know, I always ask about is, you know, how do you bridge the relationship between your retail customers, your, you know, online customers? You know, it, it sounds like you're using these different brand moments to create those moments of connectivity. Definitely. Um, and I mean, we are very much parent oriented as a brand and, you know, we talk a lot about mom hack. Mm. As a mom of two kids, when I find something that helps me, that makes my kids smile, I tell every mom I know. Mm -hmm. That happens a lot. Yeah. That makes complete sense. As a mom myself, I know that there is not a you know stronger word of mouth community than new parents. So make tapping into that um, as your community, that makes complete sense to me. I love to ask our guests, you know, what is something that you feel passionately about? One of my biggest passion, I mean, I came from an industry that was very to toxic. Uh, fashion mm. design, it was very, I loved what I did. I really, really loved what I did. Um, and that's, was a bit taken away. I have a bad taste about that fashion industry because it was toxic back, people talking behind your back. You, you, I wasn't happy going to the office at the end. And like even talking about it, I get like, mm. and when we started Belgium Boys and our mission is to spark happiness, literally, it's got to start on the inside. My biggest passion is to see our team grow is to make sure that our team come in and are happy it's about what we do at our company our culture our dna we actually care for each other we trust each other and i feel like we have an amazing team and seeing them grow seeing them develop contributing to that growth and development um that's something i take a lot of pride and joy I love that. Um, that's super meaningful and, and makes so much sense and something that I align with when building our team as well. Okay, quickly transitioning into our lightning round. So we're just going to go through some very quick questions before we wrap up. Favorite omni-channel brand? I like Liquid Debt right mm. now. I think it's very, very cool what they're doing. Totally agree. Thing you wish you could change about our industry? I think there's a lot in our industry that we are all like in this together against like the big, big, big boys, but there is still some, I think, in emerging brands of they copied, she copied, we copied this and that. And mm. I feel like that's not the right fight. Um, tell your story, tell your ideas, share it with as many people as possible so that we grow these emerging brands, these better brands, um, because it's not the right fight. I totally agree. Favorite podcast? Simon Sinek, a bit of optimism. 
Mm, I need to listen to that one. Wow. The best. Really? Okay. Amazing. Favorite newsletter? Oh, I'll give a shout out to Nate Rosen. He's amazing. And his podcast, uh, his uh, newsletter is a bit recent, but uh, it's one I look out for every week now. It's such an excellent aggregation of everything that's going on in the industry. I completely agree. Nate, oh, he's the best. He's such a, a close friend. Favorite social media channel? Uh, LinkedIn for me. That's that's my thing. <laughs> me too. Favorite book? I have a lot. Radical Candor by Kim Scott is my number one. I was just talking to someone about that book and how important I think it is in the management style. Completely agree with you. It's so, uh, so in at Belgium Boys, you know, we talked a bit about my passion and culture. Every team member that joins Belgium Boys get a copy of Radical Candor. It's not mandatory reading, but if you want to be successful at this company, you will not thrive unless you read it because that's our lingo. I think I might copy your, but I actually have shown that matrix to my team and be like, I care. And this is why you're getting feedback because I care about you. Yep. So what are completely agree. Um, favorite event you're planning on going to this year? Um, there's the EY conference. It's strategic growth forum in November. I've been going for two years and it's one I really look forward to. Amazing. Um, Anouk, where can people, our listeners connect with you? I'm on LinkedIn. That's the best place to reach me. Um, I know Gottlieb and yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so much. I so appreciate your time and it was so great getting to hear your story. Thank you. Thank you so much, Kate, for having me. If you liked this podcast, follow me and the bridge page on LinkedIn and Twitter for hot takes and tactical advice. If you really loved today's episode, we'd love a review on the podcasting platform of your choice, Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Thanks for listening.